want you to understand that whom David the psalmist is speaking to, it's the Lord, it's Jehovah. He's the self-existent one. The one who was and is and is to come. The one who's always been. The one who needs no help. Do you guys know that? Like, he literally does not need our help. And yet, all throughout humanity, God has chosen to work through humanity. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. God, I just want to thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to be here tonight. I thank you for this group and just being able to to meet some of them already and um, get to know some names and a little bit um, from them. And Lord, you have brought each of us here. I'm, I'm glad they're not at the softball game tonight <laughs> and that they can be here and to be amongst one another and to be here to worship you, to declare, God, that you are the way maker. That's pretty powerful when you stop and think about that. You're the, you're the miracle worker. Uh, you're the promise keeper. Lord, you're the one who, um, when we are faithless, you remain faithful for you cannot deny yourself. And so, Lord, as we get into Psalm 139 tonight, I, I pray, God, that you speak to us. You know us. You know us by name in this room. You know our past. You know our present. You know our future. You know the things that we're struggling with. You know our failures. You know our success. You know what brings us joy and what brings us sorrow. You know, for some in this room, they're dealing with hard things personally, privately. Maybe they're putting on a show outwardly, but inwardly, they're really having a hard time. There's some tonight that they're doing great. Um, Things have been going great and they're excited what's ahead of them. Some are maybe dealing with loss of some sort. I don't know, but God, what I do know is that you know us. And I believe you want to speak to us. So I pray that you would be the one speaking. They don't really need to hear from me. But Lord, we need to hear from you. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you take the word of truth and that you would lead us and guide us into truth now. And uh, you would speak those words of edification, exhortation, and comfort to us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone been in a plane before? You guys know as you are in the plane and you look down from that plane, um, especially when you're um, maybe not at nighttime, but even, yeah, at nighttime is when you're flying into L.A. and it's not foggy like it was for me. But when it's not foggy and you start to see the freeways and you see you know, that little ants called cars moving around, and, and you start to see life from above. I'll never forget, before we moved to Germany, it was one of the trips I took to Germany, and I was flying over Frankfurt, and I kind of just looked out the window, and then I said this, this verse right here in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. It says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? And I remember looking out that window just kind of like, Lord, who am I that you're mindful of me? I, I look down right now and all of that which is big down there looks so small. These, these high rises look puny. And those people are down there looking up and they see just a flickering of light. And it seems so small and insignificant. 
And when we think higher than a plane, we think, think of outer space. I don't know if you ever guys saw the, if you haven't seen this, you can go to YouTube and ch- check it out. His name is Felix Baumgartner. He's a guy that was sponsored by a Red Bull and all those guys. And he literally jumped from outer space. Did anyone know what I'm talking about? A few of you. Literally, it was live on YouTube. And I remember a friend of mine, I didn't watch it live, I watched it later. He said, I don't know if I'm watching this man's death. It is the most crazy thing. The guy is literally from outer space. This balloon slowly takes him up. He's in an outer space suit and he jumps and falls forever. And for a while he was out of control and then out of consciousness and then eventually comes back to consciousness and he comes back and he lands crazy. But beyond outer space is like eternity. And I don't know if you've ever, I'm not going to go into any of the stats because I, I don't know them. But what I do know is that God is really big. And then when you study the the, 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 the details of creation or of our bodies or of DNA and all those things that is, again, too smart for me. God is in the God of the details. And so from huge to small, it's like, God, who am I? There's 8 billion people on this planet. Why are you mindful of me? Well, in Psalm 139, this is my favorite psalm since Andrew said, why don't you just teach your favorite psalm? All right, I just said right away, Psalm 139. This is my favorite psalm. We will go through it. I'm just going to read and kind of just slowly go through it. But this, as I don't know how your Bible has some notes or not, but it says, God's perfect knowledge of man. When I was a missionary in Germany, I remember this young guy, Peter, that went to the church there, and, and he always would say, Joey, I just don't know how God can be a relational God. And I honestly had no struggle with that because of having read and studied Psalm 139 and then having that personal relationship. And I believe in, and Peter said, I, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross, rose again. I, I, but so I struggle with him being personal to me. And we would have so many conversations about this. As we go through Psalm 139, this is to me, if, if, if you struggle with that, if you're like, how does God know me? Psalm 139. Does he care about me? Psalm 139. Does he know where I'm at? Psalm 139. Does he know where I'm going? Psalm 139. If you don't get the drift, it's Psalm 139. It's, there's so much detail. And maybe if you take the type of person who takes notes or marks up your Bible, you, you might want to do this later. You won't have time to do it tonight. But what I want you to know in this psalm as we go through it is the, re- the reference of where it will talk about the Lord or it will say you. David is the psalmist. He's the one speaking to the Lord and he's saying you. And so you see him addressing God, speaking to him over and over and over. And then you're going to see, and I've highlighted that, you know, or underlined it in different colors. You'll have the, the me, the my, the I. So you have you and me and it's constantly going back and forth. And so let's read. It says, oh Lord, just pause there, don't worry, I'm not going to spend any turning on every single word, but I want you to understand that whom David the psalmist is speaking to, it's the Lord, it's Jehovah, he's the self-existent one, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who's always been, the one who needs no help. Do you guys know that? Like, he literally does not need our help. And yet, 
all throughout humanity, God has chosen to work through humanity. Quite amazing. So I just want that to kind of be in that reference and understanding that as he's dressing God, he's dressing God as a self-existent, almighty, eternal one who's always been. And he's saying, oh Lord, you, there it is, you have searched me and you have known me. This word search means that you have examined me thoroughly. You have investigated me. Now for some of us tonight, that's very encouraging because it's this personal, man, God, you know me inside and out. But it's sometimes it can also be like, oh, no, <laughs> you've examined me. You've invested. That means you know. Yep, he knows. He knows the struggles. He knows the thoughts. He knows everything. And that's what David is saying. He's saying, you've searched me and you've known me. And this word known means to be acquainted with to ascertain by seeing. There's this intimacy in this word known. It actually is the Hebrew word, um, and another word for known is this Hebrew word of yada, which speaks of how Adam knew his wife. It speaks of this, that type of intimacy. That God intimately, the eternal almighty God intimately knows us and he knows our quirks <laughs> I don't know is anyone like dating someone in this like anyone dating or engaged anyone in this group doing things like that right now no one wow okay one couple all right you know and so in, in that time, it's like, oh, he's so, and she's so, and you just love, like, all, and, and then you get married, and it's great, and then over time, so how many of us are in here married? Four of us. So there, you get to know the quirks, and it's, oh, maybe great in the beginning, but then after a while, it's like, it's really, it can become annoying, and then we start making fun of the quirks, and we joke around, and like, you always do this when you drink, it sounds loud, or when you eat, it's loud, or... I won't go into it, but this, this point of knowing, and, and God knows us and who we are, and the little quirks, so to say, about us, and that's what David's saying, God, you search me, and you know me, and then he goes, you know my sitting down and my rising up, again, you know, you're acquainted with my sitting down, and when I rise up, when you sat down, he knew you would sit down here tonight. When you rise up and then you go, or when you sat down and you rise up this morning, he knew about it. Tomorrow he sees it already. He already knows tomorrow when you get out of the car, where you're walking. Like you see, every time we get up to go, God's like, I know about it. I'm there. I'm present. I'm with you. I know it. I see it. And David is acknowledging that, God, you're omniscient. You just know it all. You know, my sitting down and my rising up, you understand my thoughts afar off. The word understand means to discern, to consider, to observe. Do you ever get away sometimes to just to kind of like just reflect? Go to the beach, go, go up on a hill, go somewhere quiet to a park and just kind of maybe write your thoughts or just kind of cry out to God or just kind of go and enjoy the view. And, and, and just to maybe sometimes pour out your thoughts. David's saying you understand it. You discern, you, you consider. God considers my thoughts. Again, that's either a good thing and sometimes like, oh Lord, 
please wash my thoughts. Please purify my thoughts, right? But you consider them, you observe them. And the thought is just this association of ideas. Can you just imagine how many thoughts go through just one of our brains in this room per day? It's like, that's freaky. Just the amount of thoughts. And then just all of us in this room. And then again, there's 8 billion people on this planet. And to know that, that he understands them. Do you ever wish... Or do you ever sometimes hope or desire that your friends, your parents, your brother, your sister, whoever, that you have ever said, do you understand what I'm telling you? And I remember one time hearing one of my favorite pastor teachers say, define the word understanding and how sometimes we want people to understand them, to understand us is to stand under. And it's speaking of this supporting and God understands your thoughts. He, our brother here, he shared tonight at the beginning of the worship, uh, speaking from uh, Hebrews, and how he's our great high priest, and how he's acquainted. He understands every single thing that we are even tempted with. Jesus was tempted. He, like, he understands it. Do you know that Jesus was tempted to commit suicide? You guys know that? The Bible tells us Satan brought him up to the high uh, part of the, the temple and basically said, jump. It wasn't until a friend of mine committed suicide years ago that someone kind of pointed that scripture out to me in that light. I had taught that scripture. I never thought about it. And I just thought, whoa, he understands. He understands temptation of every single thing that we deal with. Or just sorrows of life. Jesus wept. He understands family commotion and division and, you know, family's just mess sometimes, right? He understands. That's who our God is. So David's saying, you, you understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path Am I lying down? And you are acquainted with all of my ways. The word comprehend means to shake out, which means to examine thoroughly. God, you, you examine my way completely. You guys are at a time in your life where it's like, what's next? Where am I going to go? How, how am I going to start? You know, what path am I going to take? What am I going to start pouring my life into? God's Right there saying, and, and you can say, God, you, you comprehend it. You understand it. You want to stand under and help me. You, you know it. You know my path. You know my lying down. And again, again, he says, you're acquainted with all my ways. The word acquainted means to be familiar with. In all my ways, my path, my steps, you are acquainted with it. My journey. I remember being your age, and um, I was already at that point. I don't know all of your ages, but around this age group was at this time when I started hanging out with junior hires all the time. <laughs> I was a junior high pastor, and it was an amazing time in my life. But you know what? Sometimes I, as I got older and as I'm older, I, I look back and I go, man, that was such a great time in my life, and I'm so thankful for it. But sometimes I go, man, like, I still feel like a junior high kid. Because I, I didn't experience what young adult life was like. Because literally, I was with 12 to 14-year-olds all the time. And so, sometimes I look and go, God, did I do the right thing? 
Was I in the right place? Did I even do that right? And even that time, the, the things of looking back, and then as I've been away, I mean, on the mission field for almost a quarter of my life, nine years, and then, and then um, coming back and seeing some of them, I've seen some of them grow up, and some are on the mission field, and it just brings joy to my heart. There's some that have committed suicide. There's some that are homeless. There's some who have called out to me and said, Joey, you changed my life. There's some that are pastors. There's some that are teachers. There's some that are doctors. There's some that are on Fox News all the time. They're, I'm not joking. There's some that, that are, and it's like, whoa, it's so crazy. And I've had some say, you ruined my life. And it's like, whoa. And what I think through it all in my own life as I go through life. It's like, man, God is just, he, when, when he said, follow me, he did not mean like a 50-yard dash. It's like, follow me. There's a life. And what I want to encourage you as I kind of share all these things, is like, you don't got to figure it all out. Be encouraged that he knows it. He sees it. And the ultimate call for you and me is just follow him. And my prayer for you, when you and like double probably most of your age. So when you get to my age, that you will continue to be following Jesus. You will have ups and downs. You will have failures. People will fail you and you will fail others, but that you keep following Jesus, knowing that he will never fail you because he's good. And David is saying, there is, as we continue to talk and go further, there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Man, you know my thought, like, you know my thoughts. You know what I'm getting up. You know I'm, where I'm going. But now my words, God, you know it all. You know my words. And again, sometimes that's encouraging that we can pour out our hearts. And then sometimes it's like, oh, Lord, you heard that? And he's like, yep, <laughs> I heard that one. God, you know it all. You know it all together, which means the whole, the totality, everything, each thing. You ever said stuff and you're just like, oh, Lord, forgive me? I remember for years saying, God, use my tongue. Before we went to the mission field and I felt that the Lord was calling us to Germany and I started praying for the missionaries there. Just people, whether I knew them or whether I just knew their name, I would start to pray, Lord, use their tongue to rebuild that nation. There was one man's tongue that destroyed that nation, but Lord, use their tongue. And then I started to pray and kind of like, I know it sounds weird, but lay my tongue out on the altar and say, God, do you want to use my tongue? And he did, and I got to go, and now I speak German, so now I, I'm bilingual, so my tongue moves in more ways, you know? But it's, it's like this... This thing that God did, and yet I also came off the mission field, and there was the past, I would say, six years of my life that have been the hardest time, and, and, and I would say, I don't want my tongue to be used. I went through low, low times, hard trying times. And I can say, as the psalmist says, Lord, there's not a word on my tongue, because I have had the times when I'm just like, Lord, you're the way maker. You're the miracle worker, and I'm right there. And then there's times that I'm just like, not mad at God, but just like, God, like, I don't care. I don't care what people think about me. I just don't care. And, and, and having those seasons, and yet here I am still on this path. Still just saying, gosh, I, I just want to follow you. 
I've made mistakes. I'm growing through them, but I just want to follow you. So do you want to use my tongue again? <laughs> do you want to use my life again? So behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You've hedged me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. And, and he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I, it is high, I cannot attain it. So in these verses, he's talking about the omniscience of God from the one who goes before him. He says, you've hedged me, you've besieged me, you shut me in. And it says, all the things that you know about me, my getting up, my walking, my path, my words, my thoughts, you know it all. He's like, it's too wonderful. It's inaccessibly high for me. David's just like, this is beyond my understanding. Wow, God, you know it all. And I want you to be encouraged in that, that God knows it all. And you don't have to figure it all out. But what does he want you to do? What I've already been saying, just follow him. Walk by faith, trust in him, get into his word, get to know him, get to know his word, get to know, so to say, the, the you know, the, well, truly, the voice of the Lord. Get to know his voice, get to know his grace, get to know his mercy, experience his forgiveness, experience the second chance and third chance and experience his goodness because it's the goodness of God that brings a man to repentance. Experience who the Lord is and be amazed by him like David is here. He then goes on as he goes further and he says in verse seven, he now starts turning to from the omniscience of God to the om, om, um, omnipresence of God. He says, God, where can I flee or where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Have you ever wanted to flee? Have you ever wanted to hide? Have you ever wanted to get away? Not because of the sake of just, man, I need a break. Like I need to get away as a good thing. But no, like I want to disappear, God. In these past years, some of the hardest years of my life, I remember saying to God, God, there's 8 billion people on this planet. Can I just hide in the middle of them? Why, does, why do I matter? And I wasn't suicidal. I was just honest. Like, why does the enemy care about me? Why does he want to take, why does he want to take me out? Who cares? Like there's 8 billion people to worry about. I'm from Pomona, California. Like what good comes out of Pomona? What'd you say? Oh, no, Mexican food good comes out of Pomona. There's a lot of good soccer players in Pomona. I went driving in Pomona the other day. I was so happy to drive around there. Be where I grew up and be the only white guy still in the area in the restaurant. <laughs> I loved it. But David is not saying it in a bad way. He, he's basically saying, God, there's nowhere I can go that you're not there. And he actually lists it. He says, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And then he says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I'm going to pause right there. So I live on the island of Kauai. And we moved there before the crazy time that we've been living in. And the island was shut down. And we literally lived for nine months on a resort on the beach to ourselves and nobody was there. <laughs> and 
crazy. I know. And I would take pictures. I'd get up early every morning. I dislocated my shoulder surfing, so I lost my job. So I had my arm in a sling. I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. And so I started getting up early and started taking phone uh, pictures with my phone. And, um, and I would, you know, post them. And, oh, Joey, you just lived the life. But in that moment, in that time, I was not thinking I wanted to live. I wanted to disappear. I wanted to, like, God, I just want to dis... I don't want to... Who cares if I'm on paradise on earth? I don't even care about this. And I was going through this hard time, but I remember as God was walking me through it, and, and I remember saying, like, can I just disappear? And then I read Psalm 139 again. And it says... If I take the wings of the morning, verse 9, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, that's literally where I live. I live in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on one of the smallest islands. It's super small. It's 33 square miles. There's 70,000 people. There's more than 70,000 people who live in San Clemente. There's 75,000 people, just the local natives or those who live there on island. 75% of our island is uninhabited. (laughs) like I live in the middle of nowhere like in the middle of the Pacific Ocean I remember reading this and he says well you are in the middle of nowhere Joey you are in the middle of the sea and then he reminded me and even there my right hand shall lead you and guide you and I was just like man God you're good you are good you are faithful you have met me you have upheld me you have been strengthening and restoring and 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 rebuilding and reviving and this is who God is David was not wanting to run but I I share it because out of my personal life that even when we get in those moments where we want to run God's like I'm here well then I'm gonna run there and he's like I'm still here and then we drive out to the desert and he's like I'm here too and then we go and he's like I'm I beat you here There's nowhere that we can hide from him. There's nowhere we can run from him. This should bring us comfort that, God, you're there. So as you're pondering, God, what's next? And should I go? And God's like, I'm there. Well, should I go right or should I go left? Which way do you want to go? I'm going to be there. I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And David is just like, man, Lord, even there, even in the, in, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your right hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And he says, um, indeed the darkness shall not hide from you, but the, uh, but the night shines as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to you. In Jeremiah 23, verse 24, you can write this down or turn there and underline. It's very powerful. It says, can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? God's like, I'm there. And that's so encouraging. So you're like, well, then I'll go to Kauai. (laughs) Well, God's there. Well, I'll go to Peru. God's there. I'll go to Mexico. God's there. God is always everywhere and he's wanting to work everywhere. And first work that he wants to do is right here in our hearts and in our minds to, to change us, right? So that we would be born again, so that we would receive the, the gift of salvation that he's offering us. And then he wants to fill us and anoint us and empower us with the spirit to send us out to go make disciples of the nations because people are there. Wherever people are, that's where God is at. 
And he's already gone ahead of you to prepare you, but he's preparing a people so that you would be his witness there. So where did you come from work, directly from work? Yes. Where? Lifetime. Lifetime. He's there. <laughs> I know, it's like crazy. Like, yes, God's there. God wants to work at work. God wants to use you at school, at the beach night, as you guys gather and, and play games or maybe do worship. God, there's, God's going to have people there. Why? Because he's there. Why? Because he's ready to work in the lives of people, in you and through you to reach other people. Because he's there. His presence is there. And there's nowhere that we can go that God's not. So even if we went to outer space, where do we see that the heavens declare the glory of God and day and today they utter speech? And God just says, I'm here. I'm speaking through my creation to people. So then David kind of starts looking <coughs> inward. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me <clears throat> in my mother's womb. I want to say something that you need to be reminded of. You've probably heard this, but I'm just going to say it again. You are not a mistake. He wove you right here in this verse 13. <clears throat> yes, it says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. You, he wove you. When we're in our mother's rooms, God is at work. When the sperm and seed meet, God begins to breathe life and, and, and he starts his business. And there's, as you guys know, such a battle for the womb. A dear friend of mine has had two miscarriages in the past four months. And it's so just, ah, oh, when she told me the second one, it's just like I started weeping. I was just like, God. Because the day she told me, Joey, I'm, I'm pregnant again. I immediately gave her a hug and I said, let's pray. And I just started praying for her womb. And I started praying because I know that there's a battle in the womb. There's a battle for the womb, but there's a battle in the womb. But God is at work there, molding, shaping, designing already. I mean, you can, I, we could see all the different hair colors that we have. Some are real hair colors, some are fake. But, you know, it's, he made you to be a certain height, certain eye color for a reason. There's a missionary um, that was, um, I've heard him share. He's since no doubt passed away because when I heard him years ago, he was in his 90s and that was about, 15 years ago. So um, anyways, he, he was part of the crew that went and found Jim Elliott and those who had given their lives. He was part of the crew to go find them. He, those were his friends. And he was this, he's like this tall. I had the opportunity, my wife and I had the opportunity to pick him and his wife up one time and to take them out to dinner. And then we were bringing them to our church and they were going to be sharing. And um, but I remember him sharing like when he was growing up and he loved basketball and he was just like, God, I want to be tall. And he's like, why am I so short? And then he's growing and he's hoping as he gets older that he's going to get taller. And he just stayed short. And he's just like, God, why? And then he was on the mission field. Reaching these ind indigenous people that are literally in the bush. And, and they would run through the bush. And the height of those bushes were only as tall as them. And how tall were they? Short. And so they only cut these little holes that he could just run through. And then he finally realized and went, I get it. I get it, God. You made me exactly this height for this reason. 
if I was taller, I would have to be like running like this, you know? And, and I'd share it as a funny story, but it's like that God made us. He made our hair color. He made our eye color. He made our height. He, he, he made us. He, he made no mistake in making us. We live in a generation where we're constantly comparing ourselves, constantly <coughs> wanting to look like someone else. There's all the filters. They want you to look like they want the, it's just all fake, right? And we can stay young forever or people try to stay young forever and they spend tons of money doing things with their body. But it's just like, David says, look at God, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my, my mother's womb. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Can you say that in the mirror? Some of you might look in the mirror because of this generation that we live in and you're, and you're constantly like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm telling you, if you keep saying that, you're just repeating a lie that the enemy has said and you're just gonna believe and you're pretty soon you just start acting on it and you start living it. And it's a lie. Psalm 139, put this on your mirror. Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Now, I'm not saying being prideful like, man, God, I am good looking. Like, you did good with me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this point of just like, God, I praise you. Marvelous. Because he says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully. The word wonderfully means to be distinct, to be separate, to be distinguished. There's none like you. No one has a thumbprint like you. Even if there were twins, they don't have the same thumbprint. I had a discussion with my own pastor who was just like, you know, I'm not a fill-in-the-blank pastor. I'm not so-and-so and I'm not so-and-so. I'm not gonna, you know, people, and it's just like, yeah, but you've got your thumbprint. You may not be because God doesn't want you to be fill-in-the-blank. God made you to be you. For a reason. He gave you gifts and talents and abilities for a reason. Because you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. And he says, marvelous God are your works. Which that word marvelous means to be wonderful, to be extraordinary. He goes on to say, my frame, my frame was not hidden from you. Speaking of his body, right? The skeletal system. He says, well, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Again, here's this active work of God when he made us in secret. There in the womb. Where God was forming and shaping and, and preparing. And you can then go to Ephesians 2.10 which says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I remember being in Hamburg, Germany. Second largest city in Germany. God called us to go plant a church there. We had never been there. No one invited us to come. We didn't know anyone. And we went. <laughs> and I remember after time, we finally moved up there and we were living there. And I remember walking one day around the city and I'll never forget, I could still see it in my head. And it was just like that Ephesians 2.10. I was reading Judges at the time and I was just kind of like, wow, God, like I'm from Pomona. Like this is a beautiful city and there's 2 million people in this city. Like why am I here? And he's like, because these are the steps I ordained for you. I remember being in the middle of the Alps in Austria 
and there's this, uh, Calvary Chapel has like a castle out there. Missions can, missionaries can go there, and we have conferences and stuff. And I went out on this little boat, and I paddled in the middle of this lake, in the middle of the Austrian Alps, like, hallelujah moment, like just glorious, gorgeous. And it's just like, what am I doing here? I don't deserve this. And it's just this thing where God just does stuff in our lives that's beyond us. And that's what I want to encourage you guys, that even from the beginning days when you had no say, which you had no say, right? The color of your skin, hair, you know, where you live, what family you're born. You had no say in this. My frame was not hidden from you, God. It was not done in some secluded place where you didn't. God was like, no, I'm at work here. I'm the one designing when he says, I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. God, you were there. And then he says, verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Wow. Like my brain can't even comprehend that statement. Maybe you're smarter than me. Maybe you can, but my eye, you, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. Do you guys know that? Your days are fashioned. So start praying if he's fashioning you towards Kauai. <laughs> you know, but he's fashioned. He's already laid them out. He already sees them. You will see them. You will experience them. You will experience a life of faith as you continue to follow him and trust him and be in his word and draw near to him and say, God, what do you have for me? And you just surrender to his will. I'm telling you, his will is better than your will. It's always better. It's always greater. He's always got bigger ideas than you've got. Better ideas, he's got so much better for you. If you would just surrender and say, God, okay, do it. I'm telling you, if you think living for God is or, you know, being a part of just this Christian thing is just something I do, okay, I'm here, like, isn't that good enough? I'm telling you, there are so much greater things. Places, people you'll meet, languages that you'll speak, things that you'll do, places you'll go and experience and just, you'll see it and you'll just get God's heart in it. And you'll just be like, whoa. And he's like, man, I fashioned this for you. Years ago, when I was in Europe, I did not picture being here in this moment. Years ago, when my grandmother passed away and I, and I did her funeral, and I um, shared these verses at her funeral, I would have never thought growing up, you know, at the end of her life, her last two to three years, she fell in love with Jesus. And the, and, and the days were fashioned for her. And she would be calling me <laughs> with Bible questions as she would read her Bible. It's amazing that I mean, I would have never met to think like Andrew so many years ago and so many things that I did with his dad and his mom and, you know, got to know his family. And I would have never thought all of these things. And now here we are tonight. Why? Because God is fashioning. For some reason tonight, he brought us all here because he wanted to speak something to us. Because he's fashioned our days for such a time as this that we would be in this place. 
He goes on to say in verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. You guys, you live right here at the beach, you get this. Like the thoughts that God thinks towards us are more than the grains of sand. That's amazing. His thoughts are innumerable. And we know in Jeremiah 29 that he says that the thoughts that I think towards you are of what? What are his thoughts towards us, guys? They're of good. They're to give us a what? A future and a? Yes. But what about when you're going through your low moments or moments or time in life when you're like low, like I was, and I had Jeremiah 29, 11, like this thing that we got at Hobby Lobby hanging in our room. And every day it's just staring at me and I'm laying in bed and I see it again. I wake up, I see it's there. And the next night it's there. And I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> How is this good, God? And when I look back at that, it's not because God had done something. I had done things. And when I look back at that, I go, it was good, God, because you were faithful and you kept me and you've still kept me. So I can look back at that, even that, and go, God, you are good. He's faithful, guys. Even when we're faithless, God is faithful. And his thoughts towards us, as my friend Peter struggled, how can God be personal? It's like, <laughs> read Psalm 139. How can he not be personal? But you get to know him as personal when you get to know this, when you're reading God's word, when you're reading it, you just reading it and you just keep reading and you keep studying and you keep reading it and you start literally do what I did. I encourage you guys to do this. The first time I really got into Psalm 139, you know what I did? I just took a Bible, I had a notepad and I got a dictionary and I literally went through like every word. Maybe I didn't define the word and, but it was like, oh Lord, you have searched me. I looked up search. What does it mean? You've known me. You know my sitting down, my rising up. I just started defining every single word. I tore this psalm apart. And I was just, when I got done with it, and I had just pages of definitions, I looked at this psalm and I was just like, God, you are amazing. You know it all. You know it. And the things in my life at that time, because I was around your age, and the, you know, I was like, I want to get married someday. I want to meet someone someday. You know, and I can look back and say, God, you knew. And this is this is what it's about. God, how precious! Do you understand that the God, remember the Lord, the self-sufficient God, His thoughts towards you are precious. He thinks about you constantly to give you a future and a hope. You can't count them. And we don't think about God that much, but he's always thinking about us. I know you can go, but Joey, again, there's 8 billion people. How can he be thinking about all of us? That's a lot. Of, yep, exactly. God is big. Don't try to like define it. He just is huge. It's amazing. And so David is just having this crazy time just pouring out his thoughts about God and to God and saying he's looking out he's looking within he's just like God you knew it all together and then he gets into this point and you could just see that he's just loving and pouring out his heart and he's like oh that you would slay the wicked oh God like whoa turn a page real quick right here you know 
But David's just like, in his righteous anger, that you would slay the wicked. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak, um, they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. David is just in this, in awe of God, and then he for whatever reason, I don't know if he saw someone he was writing this. I don't know what's going on in the moment, but he's just like, Lord, those who hate you, I hate them. <laughs> but then he ends this psalm by saying, search me, which means examine. Examine me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, which are those disquieting thoughts. Let's just be honest. Anyone in here just anxious about something? Anyone? Okay. Try me, God. Know my anxieties. And he's like, I do. I know them. And then he says, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. I love that David ends this because as he is looking out and then he's looking in and then he kind of vents a little bit right there. He, he thinks like, God, search me. Search my heart, God. Is, is there something there? I mean, I'm pretty sure you could be honest right now. You know right away what is there that's wrong. I do. <laughs> but then sometimes we need to say, God, but show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm missing. And if there's anything wicked, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Get me off of that road. Get me off of that path. Purify my heart, cleanse me. And, and again, it's like, know my anxieties. God, I, I gotta bring them to you. I gotta bring you my anxious thoughts. What, how am I gonna pay this bill? And what am I gonna do about this? And how am I, what am I gonna do this? And how am I gonna feed them? And I mean, I think about this stuff all the time, being a father and husband. And it's just, I wrote at the end of the Psalm, I want to follow you. And that's, I, I think a, a great summarization is like, God, I just wanna follow you. I don't got this all together, but you do. <laughs> turn with me now as we, and we'll close real quick to Psalm 37. And the reason why I have you turn there is because it's something that the Lord had me do when I got done. And I encourage you guys, I challenge you, take Psalm 139 and go study it like word for word. It's an amazing Psalm. I know I kind of went through it a lot right there for you, but do it on your own. Years ago, I had done that whole time. The Lord, I don't know how or why, or there's a cross-reference or something, but it was like the Lord brought me to Psalm 37. And then he, he, he had me kind of finish this little study of, wow, God, you are amazing, and you've got it, and you're, you, you got it all together, and you know me, and you see it all. And then this is what he told me at the end. It was Psalm 37, verses 3 through 7, or 3 through 8. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. So here's a verb, it's trust. So after this whole relationship, knowledge, amazing thing of God and this, him knowing me and all these things, it's like, trust me. The word trust means to have confidence. Not one of you examined this $15 chair that you sat on, but you put your whole existence and future and hope in that chair, <laughs> right? That's what that word trust means. Anytime you read the word believe or um, uh, like through the gospel of John, many times it'll say believe, believe, believe. 
That word believe in Greek is the word pistueo, and it means to shift the weight of your confidence, and that's exactly what you're doing with that chair. And that's what God is saying here in Psalm 37. Trust, have confidence in me. I made you, I formed you, I shaped you. I, uh, anywhere you're gonna go, I'm there. Any thoughts that you think, I know. I know where your path, I'm comprehending you, I understand it, I'm going before you, I'm trying to protect you, I'm leading you, I'm directing you. Like, I know. So, trust me. That's what God wants us to do. Trust him. Have confidence in him to be secure in it. So he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Anyone worried about their future right now? Just be honest. Come on, you can be honest. Okay, quite a few. God's like, trust me with it. Dwell on my faithfulness. Just rest in my faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I'm not gonna do a Bible study on that, but man, you guys, delight in Jesus. Delight yourself in him. And as you do, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna gain his heart. And as you gain his heart and he starts showing you and stirring your heart for things, you're gonna be, Lord, I wanna do that. And he's like, perfect, because that's what I made you for. And then you're like, what, I get to do this desire of my heart? And he's like, I know, because I put it there. It's amazing when you delight yourself in him, all of a sudden you're like, have his heart. And then he's like, yep, that's what I wanted. It's kind of a trick. It's not a trick, but it's an amazing thing. So delight yourself in the Lord. So trust in him, dwell in his, on his faithfulness, delight yourself in him. And then notice this verse five, commit your way to him. So here it is. Here's your life, my wallet. Look at me. It's this. this here's your anxious thoughts. Here's your future. Here's the thing that you're freaking out about. This is what he's saying. After everything I just explained to you, trust me. And now, and now here's God, this table, commit it and walk away. Commit your way. Commit it to roll off on God. And so that's what we do. Lord, I commit it to you. No, 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 no. <laughs> commit it. Let go of it. Give it to me. What are you anxious about? What are you trying to do? Commit it to him. Trust him with it. You see, these are all verbs. These are action things that he wants you to do. But I gotta go do, I, I, don't you know, like I gotta do this. He's like, I know, commit it to me. Give it to me. I'll do it. I'll do it better than you. Commit it your way to the Lord. And then look what it says again. Trust also in him. So as you commit, look at, here it is again. You commit. Now trust me with it. And that's what we can do. So maybe it is a relationship or maybe it is that job or maybe should I go there? Should I do that? Commit it to me. Delight in me. I, I'm, I'll tell, I'm telling you, just trust me with it. And look what it says. Trust also in him and he will what? Bring it to pass. <laughs> he shall bring you forth your, uh, your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. And then look what it says, rest in the Lord. What does the word rest mean? It means to be silent. And sometimes we just need to shut up. <laughs> it also means to be still. Be still and know that I am the Lord. I will be exalted amongst the nations, the Lord says. Like just rest. 
It's like that time when you're tired, you just drive down the beach and you put that towel down and you just lay down and you literally fall asleep on the beach. It's why? Because you're just resting. That's it. You've committed it. You've trusted it. You've done all the praying you can do. You've done all the preparation. You've done everything. But it's like, Lord, I give it to you. And he's like, okay, trust me. Okay, I trust you. I'm letting go. Now go rest. <laughs> just be still. Be silent. And watch. Rest in the Lord. And then here it is. And wait patiently for him. Oh, I don't like that. But yeah, it's good to wait. At the end there, at the end of verse eight, it says this, do not fret, it only causes harm. So guys, I pray that you're encouraged tonight that as you see the grandeur of God and the, the perfect knowledge that he has of us, of he has of you and he's gone before you and he's made you, he's designed you, he's formed you, he's shaped you, all these things that you can and I can once again come to him and say, and he's just saying, now trust me. Now just trust me with it. Just dwell on my faithfulness. Feed on my faithfulness. Just, just focus on delighting yourself in me, not me, but him, right? Just focus on delighting in me and, and commit your way and just trust me with it. I'll bring it to pass. I'll do it. I'll do the work. I'll do it. So Lord, we thank you for your word. I just thank you for everyone here tonight. And Lord, I... I I don't know the things that they're anxious about. I don't know their thoughts. I don't know all the things, but you do. You comprehend our path, our lying down. You're acquainted with all of our ways. There's, you know our words. You know our worries and our concerns and our joys and our delights and the things that we're excited about and the things we're terrified about. And should I go here? Should I do that? Should I pursue this? Should I not? And all those things. Lord, I pray we were encouraged by you tonight to just trust in you because you are really big <laughs> and you got it. I thank you for this group. I thank you, these guys and girls, and I just pray, Lord, for their futures, the things you've got for them, that you would just continue to be at work. I pray that you continue to give us a hunger for your word. Lord, it's just so fun to talk about it, so fun to study it, it's so amazing, Lord, to see how good and how amazing you are. In Jesus' name.